I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Dailies. It's another end of the year edition where we share some favorites. We've got three categories for you today again, and we will encourage you to join in on the conversation as well. So Maggie and I will share our picks in these three categories. But if you want to agree with us, maybe or share a different opinion, you could do just that in uh, in the, the comments section. So share your own list right there. Maggie, how are you feel? How did yesterday go? Are you like confident in your end of year list picking or are you a nervous wreck like I am that I'm going to forget something? I think I'm fairly confident, but I, I there is one today that I am like, what if I forget somebody? Because yeah. like there were so many good things this year. Um, but yeah, yesterday was fun. We went really long, but it was a really good episode. Okay. <laughs> we I believe it. Well, you, you guys had a big category. The TV one was, was that, that's like, we have like fun little things within within the mood. I mean, cast isn't little, but you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So our first one of the day is favorite fight scene. Mm-hmm. And if you hear any galloping, it is Malcolm dashing across the room. Um, you definitely heard that. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, or... go first. I, want to I, I have great clarity on this okay. one. This was like the easiest one for me to, you know, pencil something in. I mean, there's other fight scenes that I really admire, but Probably no surprise, my absolute favorite fight of 2023 comes from one of my favorite movies of 2023, which is part of my favorite franchise of all time, Scream 6. Mm. It is the Gale versus Ghostface fight. I love it for a multitude of reasons. I find it to be very effective within the context of the movie. It is super well shot. It is exhilarating. It is scary. But the reason why I give it such high honors is because I love the fact that that scene, the choreography, all of her behavior in it reflects literally everything she's learned throughout the entire franchise that she then gets to apply to this moment. Like, 
what a cool build for such an iconic character. And it's just so well acted, so well executed. Like, big round of applause to that team for pulling off that exceptional set piece. That is a good one. I had I was kind of like torn between two for my pick um, because I really liked the fight sequences in um, Across the Spider-Verse. But I, felt, I was like, I love how they animated all of that with like the Miles and Miguel fight at the end. I thought it was so good. But I think ultimately and ironically, it also has to do with the train in this one as well. Um, but I really loved Mission Impossible uh, Dead Reckoning. That entire train sequence had me on the edge of my seat the entire time. It was so nerve wracking. It was so well shot. And, and you just like always know going into a Tom Cruise movie that you're going to get like these epic fights. But that was a scene that I was just like not expecting that like set piece to be so like exhilarating to watch. And so that one was like, I instantly, as soon as I remember that was this year, I was like, yeah, that's my like favorite fight. I think of the entirety of 2023 so far. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do you have a particular favorite scene within that sequence because I know I know mine when they're hanging on yeah. and they, yeah that's the moment that just like <laughs> oh I like that I'm not like afraid of heights or anything but that moment just like made my stomach drop and it was just uh and like I really like train sequences because I also loved bullet train last year and like all oh, of the, yeah, stuff yeah. the fights on that so I really like how creative we've seen like train sequences be in the last couple of years and never like the same thing twice I assume you like train to Passan as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I figured, yeah. I figured. This conversation also just goes to show that we need a stunts category at the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. When will it ever happen? It's long it's, overdue. I know. I So actually, here's my transition. Stunts at the Oscars is long overdue. You know what else at the Oscars is long overdue? A mm-hmm. casting director category. The fact that we don't have that is absolutely baffling to me. Like, does do people think that they just like magically come together on their own? <laughs> It seems like it, which is so weird, too, since the Oscars is so, like, industry-focused. You would think they would understand how it happens. That's one of my favorite things about moderating Emmy season conversations because casting directors are honored over there. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, like, I love the opportunity to get to talk to casting directors. Also because... I don't know, maybe it's just like a limited understanding of every single job that is required to pull off a film or show. But I I feel like the word craft isn't applied as often to a casting director's work when in fact it really is. Like Mm -hmm. there is maximum creativity required to put together the perfect ensemble. And I, I just love getting an opportunity to interview a casting director and emphasize that. Completely. They do so much good work, especially when you see like the casting for like a younger character, like the younger version, the older version, and it's like so spot on. And you know, they have looked through thousands yeah. of times to get there. It's and so it's true. So, so true. Um, so that'll bring us to category number two of the day, which is our favorite cast. So I, I do have clarity on this one, but not as much. So I'll toss it to you first. Okay. So <laughs> I I had to really make a, like a hard decision on this one because there are so many casts that I really like this year, but I kind of looked at them and thought about like which ones, particularly really some of the smaller casts that I like, like the Holdovers, Saltburn. Mm. It was such a, a much tighter um, like cast. So a lot of those people kind of fell into more of a supporting category naturally. So I looked more towards an ensemble cast that had a lot of small parts that are never going to be 
fully recognized because they're just a small piece in a much larger picture. And so I went for Oppenheimer. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. The second you started teeing that up, I'm like, I know where I was going. I just, I loved all of the casting. And this also goes back to like the casting director did so much work in finding people who fit with the actual like historical figures that they were portraying, like down to like really small minutiae. And I just really appreciate it, how that ensemble came together. Uh, and it was kind of like a fun payoff too, after like the months and months of like every casting announcement and people being like, this is like, is everybody in Oppenheimer? Um, and it just, it was so, it was so good. And there was also like a lot of people uh, in that cast that haven't really had like serious roles in a while. That was nice to see them kind of being brought into like a new light. Uh, and that in a lot of ways was like really fun to watch. And it was very much like the Leo pointing at the screen every time somebody popped up on screen. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people ask, you know what, why did you need all those famous people when they have such little roles in the movie? First off, there's no small roles. And I think Oppenheimer is a perfect example of that being an absolute fact because mm -hmm. yes, this is Oppenheimer's story. The the majority of it is told through that one particular character. But the the point is what what happened there and how it influenced everyone around him in in that area where they were actually working on this mm -hmm. device and then beyond and you can't have that effect unless you believe that all the people he was working with were like fully formed living breathing human beings with with stakes something to lose and and like their own way of processing what they were doing and then you can have the ripple effect after so i think it was vital that they cast that movie the way they did I will second some of what you said before, because, you know, as we go through award season, we'll likely be highlighting movies like Oppenheimer, also, you know, American Fiction, The Holdovers, <laughs> Saltburn. Saltburn, I'll just give a, a shout out in particular to the casting of Alison Oliver, who I thought was exceptional yes. in it. I, w I wish that, you know, it's, it's far out of the Academy Awards race in a number of uh, areas, but in particular, that bathtub speech she gives is is probably one of my favorite scenes, one of my favorite like line slash monologue deliveries of the year. So job well done filling that particular role. But I am going to give an honorable mention. I'm cheating. My honorable <laughs> mention is leave the world behind. Oh. I think the four of them together are pitch perfect and i don't think that that concept works unless you get four people who are able to fully embody those particular personalities and play off of each other and i think they all did that in incredibly well perfectly cast movie per i mean it perfectly cast movie my pick though is going to another movie that is going to be in my top 10 of 2023 i am going to shout out talk to me because that is an ensemble. I think I'm familiar with some of them. Like, of course, everyone knows Miranda Otto, but that movie is going to put a lot of young rising talent on the map in a big way. And that that really excites me. But first and foremost, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about Oppenheimer, because that movie has a has a clear lead. It's got its main characters. But the entire group of, I mean, I guess they're not like friends, friends. They're kind of friends. Yeah. They're a little antagonistic towards each other sometimes. But the core group that we watch using the hand, it's another situation where sometimes you only get so much screen time, but you need to be able to like 
feel the weight of the situation they're in and like their their history or lack of history with the hand and what it means to them to use it and why certain ones turn against it being a fun thing faster than others, why some react to it differently. Like they all have different histories and different personal experiences and that heavily influences how they behave after shit gets dangerous. And mm. I feel like the fact that they all feel like full people is what makes that so powerful and the movie overall so special. So that is another one where I think the casting is spot on. I mean, I, th I think Sophie Wilde is an exceptional lead, but I'll just give a big shout out to Joe Bird, who plays uh, who plays Riley, the the younger brother in the movie, who I mm -hmm. think just gives like a phenomenal emotional and physical performance. And like him to me, he's like the example of like a really great find. And I'm like, I'm going to be watching out for him. I based on this movie, I feel like he could do anything. So I'm excited to see what he does next now. That's a that's a really good pick. Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good about that pick. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, now we've, we've, we've hit the messy category. This is, a, this is a problem category. So this is, this is the favorite interview category. I'm stressed. Oh, good. I, I didn't even know the, the other two categories. I had like a little bit of a roadmap. I was already leaning in, in directions mm -hmm. the second the topics came to mind. But but this one, I, I'm like all over the place. I know. And you picked this one for I'm, us. So it's well, like, <laughs> well, it, I, you know, I, given what the majority of my year is, it felt important to do something like this. And then I started to, I started to go because I'm like, uh, surprise, surprise. I'm like OCD about organizing like all my client work and files and folders and documents and all that stuff. And I'm basically like scrolling through everything I've conducted in those folders and like, I know. Shit. I went back through my stuff and I was like, wait, that was this year? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know what's the, the one, this is an interview related, but the one that really is making me go more so than any other movie, that was a 2023 movie. It's Megan. First of all, I feel like the movie came out years ago, but also because it's so well ingrained in pop culture, it feels like it's had like year, like many years to assume that status. But no, it came out in January and here we are. That's insane. I totally thought that was last year too. Nope. Nope. This year. Wow. This year. Well, that's mind blowing. <laughs> you want to just like name a bunch and we'll bounce back and forth. Yeah. I'll, I'll start with a really recent one and like, you know, it's. I guess it's a little bit selfish just because it's one that made me feel good based on his reaction to my questions, which I always appreciate. Like to anybody out there who ever watches an interview and sees the uh, the filmmakers say to the interviewer, good question. I don't I don't know if everybody who does what we do feels the weight of that, but mm -hmm. like I do and I cherish it. And Sterling K. Brown had one of the biggest reactions I've ever received to one of my questions. 
and I'll just, I'll always cherish that moment. But, but also he was just like, he's a phenomenal interviewee. Like Mm -hmm. not only has an, has a thoughtful answer to everything, but cares about, like, you could tell he really cares about what he says and he's going to think about it. And no, no, no. I just, I really appreciated how like he came to play, he came with information and he came with enthusiasm. And that's like, what, what more could you ask for when you're interviewing someone? A hundred percent. That, I mean, that's all you want. You want everyone to be happy and like give deep answers yeah. and, oh gosh, this year was so wild for me. I have to say, because I am a big person who believes in like manifestation. And so I like, I do manifestation boards every year and like a bunch of the things that were on my manifestation board last year happened this year. And a lot of it was like interviews that I never thought would ever happen. Uh, and like some of them were like decades in the making. So I got to interview Ed Spilliers at the start of the year for Star Trek Picard and also a little bit for you. Uh, and that was like such a weird like wish fulfillment because I loved him in Aragorn back in the day, if I could get my, my words to work for me there, like too emotional. And I loved, like I wanted his career to do so well, but because Aragorn had kind of been like a like poorly received movie at the time, it took a while for his like career to really take off. And so to see him in Star Trek Picard and to get to talk to him about like his career and all of that was like just so fun. And he's so wonderful. And it was such a good, I got to talk to him twice, like 30 minutes both times. And it was like such a wonderful interview. That's a good one. I know. Good, I want to see. I want to see your manifestation board. Oh, is that too? Crazy. Is that too personal? You should. You should post a picture of it on social media and like circle the All accomplishments. The That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I started in 2020 and it's paid off every year. Huh, you make me kind of want to do that. That's Maybe funny. I should make a ladies' night manifestation board. Go ahead. Pinterest is my favorite. You. Pinterest okay. is so fun because you can have a private board and just like fill it to your heart's content. Huh. I like that idea. Well, this is kind of like a bucket list one. Um, this isn't a collider one. It is a, a SAG after one because I, one of my, fa- I love moderating anything for the foundation, but in particular, my favorite things that they give me are those career retrospectives. I've done, I've, I had done three of them last year slash this year. And a lot, like I love, you know, I like long form interviews mm-hmm. and I, I love, I just love going back to the beginning and like retracing someone's steps and figuring out what worked and what didn't and what still applies today and what was different back then. They recently just gave me Emily Blunt's career retrospective. And I mean, I like, I have been following her work for, for however long she's been working. And I've been such a big fan for forever. And there were just, you know, going through her, her filmography, there were just so many high priority titles that I was genuinely excited to talk about. And then we met and she was absolutely lovely. And Another another favorite part of those career retrospectives is that they they usually like I mean, in, in all of my cases, at least I can't speak for every single one they've ever booked. But in every one that I've had the pleasure of moderating, they find people who are good at talking about their journey and craft, who are able mm-hmm. to articulate it. And I think it's a very difficult thing to do, but also people who have amassed such like loving fans, I guess. Because whenever I introduce someone for a career retrospective, it's always like the best standing ovation, like reception that I have ever seen. And the same thing happened in that room. Like, I think it made her feel good. Her answers, I think, made the audience feel good. Everyone seemed like so, so happy and satisfied at the end. And I don't know. I just like I always want those conversations to make the person I'm interviewing like be reminded of how proud they should be of their work, but that also the the audience has that experience where 
hearing someone else's opens the door to like the wealth of promise this industry has to offer if you have the right information in your back pocket. And I don't know. I felt the vibes in the, in the room that night. And it's a, it's a memory I will cherish. It was an excellent interview to watch. I loved when it showed up in totality in my inbox. I was like, yes, this is a good one. I can't wait to watch. It was like such a perfect combination of, of talent and talent doing the interviewing. So, they're they're yeah. good programmers there. They they know what they're doing. They know what they, they're doing. They definitely do. Um, I feel like oh gosh, there's so many. Like this is so hard because like even listening to you talk about that one, I'm like oh my gosh, which one should I pick to like say next? This one was one that like I never expected I would get to do this interview, but it came about at New York Comic Con, and that was the Matthew Vaughn interview I did, which I've loved his work. Like Stardust is one of my favorite movies. I love the Kingsman movies. Like I pretty much love everything that he has ever created. Uh, and getting to talk to him was so great because he was so forthcoming in a way that I haven't seen him be forthcoming in some other interviews of his that I like read from your Comic Con. And I think we just like matched our energies really well, which is like all you can really like hope for for an in-person interview sitting at a table in a noisy room at New York Comic Con. And once he realized that like I like the history stuff, he like just told me so much about like his Kingsman like next project. And it was just so exciting to like hear him talk about it and kind of like jive. And it was like, I never thought I was going to talk to Matthew Vaughn but then like hearing him talk about his stuff that he loved was just like so fun uh, and it was also my very first like profile style interview that I got to do for Collider and I just loved like the final pro like product and like the process and it was just it was so good I really enjoyed that one you know you know that feeling when something clicks in that special way and mm -hmm. like you hold tight to that feeling it's great oh, like I, I, happens. I always I always chase it you can't always demand it because it's not always mm -hmm. naturally there. But like when you have it, you hold tight to it and you enjoy it. Do you want to each do one more? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it's hard not to. <laughs> I know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat with this next one, and I'm going to say and like honestly mean every single Collider Ladies Night interview of 2023. I like I can't believe how many episodes of that show we've done so far. Like I still can't believe the show still exists, and I'm gonna knock on wood that it does, and I'm gonna. I don't you know, know how you have the energy to do as many because they're so like in depth and like thought out and like the production is so high and the conversations are so good. It's well, so for the production stuff. Shout out to Adam, who's behind the scenes right now, because and, and I'll I mean this from the bottom of my heart. The only reason that those videos can be as good as they are on screen is if someone is someone is editing the footage. Who, who cares about the show as much as I do. And the fact that we were able to find an editor who puts as much like, like time and pride into bringing, bringing the ladies night concept to screen the way I always envisioned it. That's, that's ver a very uh, important key and a very important piece to that puzzle that makes the show as good as it is. I like, all right, on the, on the selfish side of things, like, I just love it. I like those are the kinds of conversations that like fill me up and stimulate me as an interviewer and as a movie and TV lover in the best possible way. So I love it from that perspective. But then also and like, obviously, I can't confirm that this happens. But whenever it's kind of similar to what I said about uh, Emily Blunt, but Whenever I do one of those interviews, whether it's someone who's just starting out in the industry or someone who's been been here for like films and films and films and shows and shows, like the one big takeaway I always want to guarantee someone has by the end is the ability to be able to walk away from the conversation and 
and feel good about what they've accomplished, feel good about what they've accomplished and feel even better about the road ahead. And I don't know, I think about that in like my day to day life too. Sometimes you need to like sit, sit there and have that speed through of, of what you've done and what your goals are for the future. So if ladies night can function like that for their guests, for the guest I have, I like, I feel good about that. And oh, there's just like, I can't even single out a couple there. There were just so many like wonderful conversations we had on the show this year where, you know, people, people talked about like key memories, major first, like shared really beautifully, like personal professional experiences that they've had that means something to me to hear. I think it means something to the audience to know that information. And I hope it means something to them to remind themselves of those memories and to be able to share them. So ladies night continues to just like be a major ray of light in my life. And I appreciate the opportunity to continue the show. I love that. They, I mean, there's always such good, good episodes in ladies night. I always enjoy watching them as much as like you know, pulling things out for news because you always get such good stuff from movies. It's so good. I try to feed the news. I try to feed the news team with like good, good hearty food. And we always feast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for my my last one, uh, and honestly, I could name so many because I, I still cannot wrap my head around some of the talent that I got to talk to this year. But my last one for 2023 was Daniel Brühl, which I knew it. Like, yeah, I knew I was it. Like, everyone's probably like, she hasn't said his name yet. Um, like I am a, a very big fan of his work. I've watched a lot of his filmography and I really appreciate the stuff that he has done in a multitude of different languages, which is like so impressive, but getting to talk to him for race for glory was like, I just did not wrap my head around it until after it was over with. And then I was like, Oh my gosh. Uh, and it was wonderful. It was like a very quick 10 minute conversation. I made it, made it work for 12 minutes instead. Uh, and it was just, it was really great. And I hope that I get a chance next year to talk to him kind of the same kind of idea of this like career retrospective because his mm. career is one that I've like really appreciated the uh, material that he's put out there and the work that he has done both in front of and behind the camera as um, executive producers on stuff like all quiet on the western front uh so it was just a really great conversation and like three years in the making uh it's it's always fun when you get to do an interview and like your friends are like oh my gosh I'm so excited that this like finally <laughs> happened this is it's so true. great wait um, I I have one more one more question for you yes <laughs> Who, which interview that you conducted made you the most starstruck? Oh gosh. I think oh. about that a lot. <laughs> I would say, so I try not to get too starstruck and it's kind of like been a thing that I, I tried to like compartmentalize and like get starstruck after they're gone. But I think you and McGregor getting to be on stage, just talking to him was like very big starstruck. Um, and apparently nobody noticed. So <laughs> it pays off, but that was like, the biggest, cool. I think that was the biggest interview I did this year. Cause that was in front of an audience of like 8,000, 10,000 people live <laughs> there was no edits i never i never want to not be starstruck it's the same thing that i always say about being nervous before every interview because mm. i feel like if you if you don't have the nerves maybe you don't care enough and yeah, i, I never want to just like coast but it's the same thing with feeling starstruck i like i always want to have a little bit of it maybe not to the point where like i can't speak but yeah, yeah. have a little bit of it because it's like a clear reminder of how much i admire that person and their work yeah. i I always feel like, like, obviously I was very, I was very nervous leading up to the Emily Blunt one. The second, like someone walks in a room though, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, they're, they're like a person. And usually the starstruck element of it 
yeah. or like the debilitating version version of being starstruck immediately like goes away. I will say the one that I I was like shaken in my boots the most for before walking into the room was probably Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Right. Just like I don't know, like it was it was for the Blu-ray release. So so many people had spoken to him. I know he's like really warm and kind in an interview setting, but I feel like I don't know, like one of the biggest movies of the year, one of the most incredible working directors we have, and. I I have that limited view of Nolan too. Like he's so serious. I got to come in with my like serious film questions, and I don't know. I was I was I was nervous before walking into like that room. Literally, literally, like this the second you uh you walk into his interview space, there there is kind of like a warm and welcoming presence, not like you know something mm -hmm. something that makes you feel teeny tiny. Which is not that I not that I had like negative expectations, but like yeah. he's just like such he's, a big figure that yeah. like that's how I felt before I walked in. But really the second I sat down in that seat, like he made me feel like I was on like even playing field. And the same mm -hmm. is true of everybody who was involved in that junket. They made this like incredible movie and like just made me feel really comfortable mm -hmm. talking about it, which I always appreciate. So I'm definitely always mine. nervous. Like I'm always nervous when I do interviews, but I think the reason I've like compartmentalized start like the Star Trek feel is after working on movies and television shows with people who I like love and respect, like working on Wonder Woman 1984 and seeing like Chris Pine every day, my Star Trek thing like went away completely because I'm like, that's my coworker. Every mm -hmm. day we, we clock in at the same time and we make this thing. Yeah. And I think that's where like that dampened my Star Trek. But oh, I'm always nervous. I like my attitude gets really cranky before an interview. I'm like, nobody bother me to get in my mode. You take you take those nerves and you remind yep. yourself that you have the nerves because you love what you do and you care yep. about doing a good job. And I think exactly. that's a good thing. All right. That is a wrap on today's edition of Collider Dailies. As you see the wheels of my brain turning, racking my brain for what comes next. Thursday is me and Steve sharing our top three movies of 2023. I really need to sit down and like make sure I'm locking in the list I have in my brain right now. And then on Friday, John and Maggie will share their top three of 2023. And then on Monday, New Year's Day, <laughs> what's calendar? On New Year's Day, you're going to get me and Steve talking about our most anticipated movies of 2024. Maybe you'll get more of that talk from John and Maggie through the week too. I feel mm -hmm. like that there's more than enough movies to talk about. So that is the plan. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to hit the comment section below with your own picks in these particular categories. And we will see you tomorrow with a brand new edition of Collider Dailies.